Big Conversations family, welcome back to another episode. I'm so happy you joined us. Today's an episode that I'm really excited for, but before I really get into it, I want to start out by introducing today's special guest, Carissa Kay. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me, Ben. I appreciate thank you, being thank here. Thank you. Yeah. So rather than try to tell other people, let me just let you tell them. What what are your credentials? Why are you here to have a conversation on the podcast? Why do you think I would have asked you to come? <laughs> Okay. Well, my credentials are I'm a marriage and family therapist here in Chattanooga. I have my own private practice. I love us relationship and intimacy counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trained in marriage and family therapy, complex trauma and clinical sexology, as well as Christian sex therapy. So I tell grownups I like to work with adults and adult issues. There we go. That's important. And as you guys know, that's what we do at Big Conversations. We have the conversations here that you don't have other places. Now, what's interesting, Chris, I don't know if you remember this. I remember the first time I met you, I was working out at Gold's Gym on Lee Highway. I I was doing my jump program. I forget the name of the exercise, but I had to do something that had one band that anchored me to a power rack. Okay. And then I needed another band Mm -hmm. between my knees so I could step out and activate that glute medius a little bit. Yep. I didn't have a band with me. You did. So I I just came and was like, hey, do you want to let me borrow that? And then we ended up talking a bit more. I think I followed you on Instagram and I saw... Yeah, we talked about glute exercises, Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking, this dude has huge calves. He must be an athlete. (laughs) So, um, yes, we bonded over athletics and strength training. That was fun. And that's so funny because I I really don't work out my calves, and that's people ask me every day, what do you do for your calves? Good genetics. Yeah, that's how that works. Good for you. Yeah. So, anyway, let's get on into it. Word of the day. Okay, so this is an interesting one. Today's okay. word of the day is taradiddle. It's a noun, okay. and it means pretentious nonsense. Oh. And the reason I chose this word is because, you know, you're a therapist. Uh-huh. We're going to do some talking about therapy today, yep. you know, yep. what, what its value is, what its role is, what it's actually supposed to do. Okay. There is a significant portion of the population that thinks that therapy is nonsense. Fair enough. Hence, taradiddle. Got it. Pretentious so, nonsense. Pretentious nonsense, yes. yes. So, now I asked every guest this if you don't want to do it that's fine okay would you like to try to use the word teradiddle in a sentence i would like to try but i may fail so let me think about this so pretentious nonsense pretentious nonsense i think i'm gonna take a risk here and say i think a lot of my colleagues can be full of teradiddle okay yes i think there are a lot of people uh yes shots fired so i think in my field um, one of the unfortunate pieces is that a lot of practitioners can be full of teradiddle. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Can I say that? Yeah. Did absolutely. I use it correctly? I, I think so. Okay. All I, right. I didn't make the word. I don't know if it's in Webster's dictionary. Okay. I found it. <laughs> okay. I'll have to okay. find where I found it on the internet. Okay. Maybe we'll put that in the, the description of the, the show or something. Cheers. Apple podcast. Check it out. Okay. Anyway. So Chris, so what prompted the topic to me and this, I'll, I'll try to keep the story kind of short. I yeah. tend to ramble a little longer than I need to sometimes. No problem. But I went to Southern Adventist University. Okay. I had a good experience there. Before I came to school, just based on people that I've been able to have conversations with, I got the picture that counseling therapy is very important and mm-hmm. there may be a stigma against it, mm-hmm. but it's not something you should feel badly about. Okay. And so I was like, okay, when I have the opportunity to go to therapy, I should do that. And I think there was one situation where I, I had a dream. And this is kind of personal, but I'll share it. I had a dream that my sister did something that upset me. And okay. so I punched her in the dream. Oh. And then when I woke up, I was like, 
am I that kind of guy? Would, would I just <laughs> oh, hit a woman? Then. Yeah, so okay. I told my sister about the dream. Maybe I didn't have to do that, but I told her. I was like, because this happened, I want you to know I don't have any ill feelings oh. towards you. I'm going to go to therapy because they offered free counselors. Okay. That's all it. So I went and they told me that it was just an intrusive thought, not something that I should yeah. really harp on. Mm -hmm. I ended up going back a few more times because I was like, hey, this wasn't too bad. It's free. Let me learn all that I can through yeah. this experience. Over time, I started to wonder whether it was really productive. I started sure. to wonder whether I was actually achieving something. And I, sure. there were three different people I went to. The last okay. woman that I counseled with, we probably had maybe five or six sessions together. Okay. One specific time I remember asking her, what specifically do you think I should do about a current situation? Uh -huh. And she was like, well, I don't know. What do you think? And then I, I told her, I was like, I understand that you're trained to not give advice, but right. to kind of lead me through it. Right. But I was like, hey, just if, you, if you're allowed to take off your clinician hat for just a second and, and level with me as a human being, what right. do you think? Right. And word for word, she said, well, I think you should consider going to therapy. And I was just sitting there like, well, what like, am I doing right now? That, that's what I think. And maybe there's different definitions of terms, okay. but that... That one moment has stuck with me. And since then, I've been just a little bit lower on therapy. And it's nothing personal sure. toward that one person. But sure. I was like, what have we accomplished here? She's just asked me what I think over and over again. Right. And then when I asked her what she thinks, then she tells me to go to therapy. Right. And if I go to therapy, is it going to be the same thing? So That would be confusing. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I have a few. Um, first one is not all therapists are the same. Um, so in the land of therapy, you have... A myriad of modalities that a clinician can choose from to practice with so there are actually over 300 different therapy modalities that a clinician can align with or choose to work from okay. um, so that really has to do with the individual's perspective on what constitutes health what um, depending on what their ideal client or target <clears throat> clientele is for me I enjoy working with couples and I knew I feel I know I'm called to work with sexuality so certain theories like attachment theory emotion focus theory cognitive behavioral theory family mm -hmm. systems therapy there are a few different um, modalities that really work well for couples work and sexuality trauma-informed clientele um, and I use a lot of science with my sex therapy practice so that's unique to me as a clinician and every clinician is different in terms of what they align with, why they align with it. And then, of course, you have the personality and the context of the therapist. So I personally tend to be a more directive, assertive client or uh, clinician. So I'm, I'm from the Midwest. I'm a firstborn. I'm really competitive. Mm -hmm. so if I can call a quick time out yeah. here. Are you saying, yeah. say I had been your, yeah. your client uh -huh. at that time, uh -huh. would you have been more likely to actually answer that question? Maybe. What do you think? Depending on what it was. Okay. Like if people tell me, unless somebody, for example, unless somebody's in a domestic violence situation um, and they're like, should I or should I not stay? The majority of the time I have to say, I can't answer that for you because I can't foresee the long-term consequences of your choices. Mm -hmm. But if it's a distinct situation where a client in harm and danger and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better I'm going to be pretty directive about I think you should get out I think you need to, uh, people recovering from addiction okay. I'll say you need to be working a program you need to do individual work around this you need to be in uh, rehab or whatever's going on so certain types of issues presenting with each client are going to require more directive approach but if you're showing up saying hey I just want to talk I just want somebody to vent to I just want to do talk therapy that can be harder for the 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 therapist to say, okay, well, what are our goals? What are your goals? Are we accomplishing those goals? And then there are seasons where clients start to come in and they're like, I don't really have anything to talk about. 
I don't know, everything's pretty good. So at that point, I would check in as a, as a therapist and say, well, do we wanna table this? Do you wanna just check in every few months? Is it kind of a, a checkpoint mm -hmm. just to have a safe space, confession booth? Um, it just really depends on the clinician as well as the client and their goals. Okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's good to hear, Chris. Yeah. So audience, that's your little teaser. <laughs> Why is this important? Why should you yeah. keep listening to the show? You know, we're going to talk more about therapy. We're going to talk about you know, the value of it and stuff like that. I, I think another aspect we're going to touch on is r relationships and romantic relationships because that's that's what you guys want to hear about, right? And I think anyone who's been on the internet recently knows that whether it's Fresh and Fit or, you know, Kevin Samuels, who I was a big fan of, but I got to be honest here, him, you know, the Just Pearly Things channel, a lot of different one of these YouTube content creators, they talk about relationships as if it's a war, as if it's mm. a competition between the men and the women. There's a gender battle going on. And so I, I would present that I don't think that that gender war really exists in the way that a lot of the internet content creators say it does, but you're gonna hear that. And there's gonna be a lot of messaging that's gonna be sent to you that's going to tell you that. So that's why this is important. And that's where I wanna frame this conversation before we move forward. So Krista. What are we talking about? Therapy is important. And I know you would agree with that statement because yeah. that's what you do for work. Sure. But I'm a 24-year-old guy. Yeah. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Why, in your words, is therapy important? What is the value that you bring to your clients? Yeah. Um, well, I think for the human experience with suffering and pain and the notion of I need a change to be made in my life, there are different mm -hmm. streams of healing, and therapy is just one of those. So therapy isn't essential for everyone. Um, people can find healing and make change happen and accountability and um, change of thought, change of lifestyle choices, et cetera, et cetera, outside of therapy. Culturally, therapy works for us as Americans because we're so private and individualized. So in hmm. other tribes around hmm. the world, um, and I've been blessed with the opportunity to do third world missions in Africa and Central really? America okay. and Mexico, et cetera. Um, you know, they are much more communal and tribal, and there's mm -hmm. a village sage. And so if somebody has a question, they go look for the village sage, wise counsel, and they have one another to bounce ideas off of. In America, especially Caucasian America, or I don't know what you think about black America, but- um, I'm basically white. Okay, so. you're, so, okay, relevant, not relevant. <laughs> the people who listen to the show- Okay, but you know, that's one of the things, is, is called, every culture has a different nuance around who do we share our problems with or do we keep it in the family? So in white America, at least, um, everything's, it, what happens behind closed doors stays there. It's very quiet, mind your own business, stay off my property. We don't do community well. And so because mm -hmm. we're so private and individualized, well, who do I talk to? Mm -hmm. I guess I gotta go find this private person in a confessional booth somewhere. It used to be a priest or a priestess, and most people don't practice that way anymore, even yeah, religiously. Don't go to church much right, either. right. Um, and so therapists have become the new soul doctors. Okay. And sages, if you will. So in America, I think therapy is a really big thing. In other countries, People don't even have the concept of a therapist. Okay, so I wasn't planning to ask this, but that—that's yeah. a new angle for me. I hadn't thought yeah. about it in terms of Americans need therapy. Yeah. So is that? Would that also apply to say Japanese culture or something? I know they're they're very, if I understand correctly, very private, very, very focused private. on their work, yeah. not necessarily trying to show weakness outwardly. Yeah. yeah. So, is pretty much any individualistic culture? is going to need therapy more versus a more collectivist culture, doesn't well, it? 
Am need I therapy. Um, I guess I would ask you what your perception of the need for therapy is, because you asked me what I think therapy benefits. But as an outsider, hmm. I'd be curious because that's also the sell is what does the culture understand therapy offers. And so to your point earlier, if there's a shame stigma of I'm weak, I'm a failure, I can't figure this out on my own, I need to hire a complete stranger to get in my personal business, you know, that's what I, you know, have mm-hmm. to, what I come up against with my clientele is because marriage and sex is so private. And then we live in the South, which is very image conscious. And then you have Chattanooga, which is a big small town, so everybody knows each other. Um, it's different than when I practice in Atlanta or the DC area. It's okay. super busy. No one's going to know I'm even here. Okay. I'm really busy. Um, but also the area where you set up a practice matters and therapy and the stigma with it. Like in New York, it's very common for people to have a personal trainer and a therapist. It's just a thing. California, mm-hmm. same thing. Um, so it's mm-hmm. like super sexy and trendy to have a therapist and a personal trainer, your little self-care resource team. But mm-hmm. down here, it's still very much like mind your own business. We're good. We're pretty. We got to put it together. We're successful. We don't have any problems. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, it does. And yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think how to answer your question here. Yeah. See, you definitely caught me off guard with that one. I, I did not okay. think through my response it's to okay. it. It's okay. Just going on the fly here. Yeah. I remember when I went to some of the counseling mm-hmm. at Southern, mm-hmm. one of the things that I was repeatedly told was that what I needed to do was invest more in my friendships okay. and have a, a better sense of community, which yes. sounded very similar to what you were talking about yeah. in other countries besides America. Yeah. And that... And as I understood it and as I, how I benefited from it, mm-hmm. I should say, whether that's what they meant or not, I'm not sure, but it did work for me, yeah. is that when I invested more in my friendships than when I had an issue with, yeah. do I talk to this girl or mm-hmm. not? Mm-hmm. I would go to my mm-hmm. friends, I would talk to them, they mm-hmm. were able to level me, and then I was like, okay, yeah. I would go back into my life, right. and I would make sensible decisions, mm-hmm. you know, some things work out great, some yeah. things don't work out as great, right. but it kind of doesn't matter as much when you're part of a community. Mm-hmm. When you're by yourself, when it's just me versus the yep. whole world, yep. if I make a mistake, I'm done. Right. If it's me and my friends versus the world, if I make a mistake, yeah. Yeah. we're not happy about it, but at least they're there to pick me up and you help got me it. keep yeah. moving along. You got Interesting. it. Yep. Yeah. So another thing I have written down here, and I guess we started to touch it. Let's go okay. directly at this question. Okay. Should everyone say in Chattanooga? have a therapist all the time. And I don't want you to feel like you're using this as an opportunity to pat yourself on the back and oh. say, yeah, come come to my practice. But just, yeah. just broadly Should everyone speaking, have a therapist? Do you think so? Mm, well, I'm biased in terms of like, I think everyone should do premarital counseling. Okay. And I do think, uh, because I, most people don't know how to do relationships well um, or healthily. And then Mm -hmm. from a sex therapy perspective, I think it's really healthy for people to check in about their love life with their partner. Um, Mm -hmm. because there aren't a lot of healthy resources available regarding healthy human sexuality and function and expectations. Um, so you have like the pornography industry, cosmopolitan magazine, movies, whatever you're to your point, the internet. And honestly, most of that is trash as it relates to like what healthy sexuality and healthy function actually includes. Especially pornography. Oh, it's garbage. Um, But unfortunately, pornography makes up a third of the internet and 80 plus percent of it it um, contains violence against women. Mm -hmm. So that's just garbage through and through. So from a sex therapy perspective, I'm really passionate about trying to educate as many people who are open to that. I love doing workshops and, and if I could have an auditorium full of men and women to talk about what healthy function, healthy intimacy, all that would be, mm. that's my bias because most okay. of us don't grow up in families that talk about like 
what is healthy lovemaking? What is healthy? Yeah. What are healthy expectations? Your body, I anatomy. No, yeah, none yeah. of us, especially. And then the Bible Belt. I mean, there's a lot of shame in church and youth group, etc. So, um, again, I think it depends because of the na- the niches that I work with, healthy mm-hmm. relationships and sexuality. I think it's healthy for people to check in and do some educational, you know, coaching, counseling, therapy. Um, but as far as individuals, some people are great and they don't, they don't need a therapist at all. Like interesting. They're okay. doing great. Yeah. Okay. And there's, there, there's no credentials by my name that should make you value my opinion, but I agree with what you said. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I like well you that. can agree yeah. or not. I mean, <laughs> and so you yeah. talked about the internet and you, know, yeah. you mentioned, I think you said what a third of the internet, a third of the internet pornography. is pornography. When I think about social media, if I yeah. just scroll on yeah. Instagram and, and I do not follow, yeah audience go go check my instagram i don't follow any instagram models i think it's a waste of time yes. but even for someone like me mm-hmm. when you consider the amount of well, let's just say provocative content oh. it's not specifically pornography i yeah. feel like it's 75 mm-hmm. percent of the internet it's, it's gross like it's i know incredible. just on insta feed or suggested feed you know so i come from crossfit world mm-hmm. strength training personal training um, and so mm-hmm. if I look at a fitness, anything, the next time I got on Instagram, the feed is just full of like chicks in bikinis. Yeah, and and I'm like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't need to see that. That's mm-hmm. not helping me in my sense of body image, sense of self. It, mm-hmm. Most women, you know, in their twenties and thirties now, beautiful women have terrible body dysmorphia because of the internet. And that has to do with brain priming yeah. and normalizing. And what we're looking at as human beings going, Oh, I'm supposed to look like this. I'm supposed to behave like this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah, a whole soapbox. It's, it's, it's teradiddle. It's teradiddle. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Excellent. I love it. So, yes. And there's this term I heard yeah. a little while back, Chris. I mm-hmm. loved it. It's YTD. And I'm going to contrast a YTD to a PhD. Okay. okay? So most people aren't going to know because it's a made up term. Okay. A YTD is a YouTube degree. And uh-huh. you, <laughs> yes. people who yes. everyone became a medical expert when Preach. they came around, yes, right? I can't stand it. Everybody mm-hmm. knows everything about relationships now because yeah. Fresh and Fit has a million subscribers on YouTube or whatever. I don't have. even know what that is. And yeah. so I think, yeah. okay, well, we can go yeah. into it later, but yeah. I, I think there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who have this outsized perspective mm-hmm. of themselves and a, a lack of regard for the training that people like yourself have sure. gone through sure. to be licensed therapists and whatnot. So what what would you say to the, to my twenty five year old listener who's mm. watched a lot of videos and really knows what he's talking about? Oh Lord Jesus, take the wheel. Um, well, there are lots of things. Um, I think there are a few reasons why people have swung to I'm going to be my own expert. One, I think we have been taught that in our culture we can't trust people with power. That's true. Okay, We've so people pe- like politicians and physicians, unfortunately, that have been swayed by politics mm-hmm. have shown us, hey, you're not actually trustworthy or you're not practicing ethically. All we have to do is write you a big check from Big Pharma and we'll get you to comply with our agenda rather than practicing science. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people don't even trust their physicians anymore uh, because of how corrupt people can be, how easily swayed people can be by a paycheck or influence or, you know, the kingdoms of the earth, if you will, that are offered in pocket. Um, So I think 25 year olds have a a legit reason to be cynical or trustworthy, uh, cynical or trustworthy about people in power and leadership. And so people have decided, you know what, I can't trust people who have power because most people with power don't use it well. You know, a lot of the stuff about priests recently, like the, Mm. um, Catholic Church in Baltimore and coming out with hundreds of cases of 
child abuse, like people in yeah. religious power. So we have been shown culturally because of news and the access to information that once you get power, you're not trustworthy. So I don't care. And that's true with PhDs. Mm-hmm. I mean, even somebody with a PhD, I would tell somebody, just be, just do your homework. Ask the person about their training. Ask the person about, um, do they have a, like according to your value system and your moral code, what do they align with? Um, because that's going to, you can have a PhD, you can have three PhDs, but still be morally corrupt. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So it I think as far, um, so I think the moral piece is huge for us. Um, like I have colleagues in the field that work in sexuality, I, I would personally not go see because my moral compass does not align with theirs. Mm-hmm. And so for on the flip of that, when I meet with clients, I'll let them know, you know, my Christian faith informs how I practice. So I actually don't think all versions of um, sexual expression are gonna be healthy mm-hmm. and are gonna work towards your end goal of passion, intimacy, and connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll just share that upfront. And some of my clients are like, cool, I align with that. You're my person, I wanna, I wanna work with you. And others will say, I don't align with that. I want somebody with a different headspace and mindset. So we can't divorce uh, leadership from morals and ethics. And that's what we try to do in, in America yeah. is where um, we call it cognitive dissonance. Yes. Right? And so you can't do that because to be alive and to be a human means I have a value system I'm living by every day. And if we don't have the same value system, or if I look at you and say, you have all this power, money, and control, but your values are corrupt, I have no reason to trust you. Definitely. So I think PhD or YTD. <laughs> It's still bigger picture, like what does the character of that person convey? What does their moral code say about who they are and how they practice? And then I can decide if they're safe safe and trustworthy. Okay. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And Carissa, what surprised me about your response there yeah. is that you didn't seem to really take on the the YouTube degree holder per se yeah. and, and tell them why. Yeah. why their education and their training is less valid. That's kind yeah. of where I anticipated you were going to oh, go okay. with that. And so yeah. I have no problem with that response, yeah. but if you were just specifically yeah. to go toward that, yeah. where are people likely to be led astray if they go to YouTube instead of a, a professional? Or, or does YouTube tend to have information that's related well from people who are professionals? This is where or I guess know? I would kind of get into the, you know, is it, which math class is it when we do mean, median, and mode? That's uh, like, statistics. Yeah, so mean is the average. Mm-hmm. Mode is the most commonly repeated number. Mean is the average. I forget mean, what the median is the middle. Yes. So I would consider all of that statistically about the research you're getting. Okay. Right? And so like if I'm doing research on a certain topic, I would, scripture says, if we're bringing G, the Bible into the scripture says there's counsel in the, uh, there's wise counsel yeah. in the presence of many. Yes. Right? Like so a king back in the day, he didn't just have one person as his advisor, he had a council of many. And he'd say, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? And then he would go, after he got different uh, responses from his council of men and women, uh, then he'd make a decision according for the, on, the best, on the best behalf of the kingdom. Hmm. It wasn't just one person, because that's not wise. I have something to offer, but so do you, and so does he, and so does she, and we need to consider the group think at some level before does that make sense it does. so same thing in research like what does this doctor say well what does this doctor say well what does this doctor say so i always say second opinions there's nothing wrong with the second opinion okay okay that's fair well, she's there you go guys she's a little bit nicer than i am i think if you have <laughs> what a would youtube you say? degree what would you <laughs> okay I, okay I, I think people yeah. with youtube degrees yeah need to sit down and stop giving advice sure i, sure. I think people and see the I can speak better from a perspective of 
medical doctors sure. versus COVID experts who have been on the internet because yeah. my parents both have that training background. Neither yeah. one of them work traditionally as yeah. physicians anymore. But I understand from speaking to them that there's a breadth of topics yeah. that people have to go over and yeah. be tested over to get a medical degree yeah. that they know about things in sure. places that most yeah. people don't even know there are places. Yes. And so just because I know how to Google mm -hmm. deaths from COVID or deaths yeah. from the COVID vaccine yeah. doesn't mean that I'm considering the relevant factors to make yeah. a sensible recommendation. Yeah. I think where I tend to get a little more um, uh, myopic about this or a little more narrowed in is when people start um, advertising as life coaches and they think they can do the work of a therapist. Now that's yeah. where I'm gonna, you're gonna- And they'll take your money. It's gonna, yeah. uh, it's gonna press all my buttons because a life, anybody, literally, you could, Mitch could, anybody could just say, hey, I'm a life coach. Look yeah. at my page and if I'm good at marketing and selling myself and creating content, I have you convinced. That's how, that's where I get frustrated is humans yeah. are pretty easily duped by good marketing and advertising. If, I, if I'm great at creating content and creating an illusion or image, mm -hmm. I've got most people hooked. Yeah. Versus, has this person gone to school, studied theory, practice, had supervision, been through a licensing board? Are they still practicing? Are they pursuing yeah. CEUs, continuing ed? Versus, like, hey, I was a marketing major and now I'm a relationship coach and come to me for dating advice because I yeah. read pop psychology today. Mm. Does that make sense? So that's where I get a little it more prickly. Is like sense. that's not cool because some of us have done mm -hmm. a lot of grunt work in thousands of hours, tens of thousands of hours of supervision and clients and educating, etc. Mm -hmm. And for you to just be like, I'm a life coach, I can do the same thing. That's a bit insulting. For, for sure. sure. And yeah. I, I respect the grind that you and your peers have put in. Thank you. So you started talking about yeah. you know the relationship coaches on the uh -huh. and like I said, I do want to spend some time there because I think you know we're we're getting fed this narrative about the gender war and you know we get terms thrown around like high value man and high value woman okay. and you know sexual yeah. marketplace value and all yeah. this other kind of stuff. Yeah. Huh. I, I think <laughs> that this is my thought and yeah. then I, I'd love to hear whatever response you have to it. I think that because people are getting fed this this nonsense, this mm -hmm. teradil, if you will, people are starting to believe mm -hmm. that they are in a competition with the opposite gender. Yeah. And so because they believe it, they function, yeah. they behave in oppositional ways. Amen. And I think that creates somewhat yes. of an oppositional environment. Yeah. But I think that at the end of the day, human beings still have needs. God Amen. designed men yes. to be perfect for women yep. and women to be perfect for men. And so yep. we kind of still need each other and we kind of still complement each other. We definitely still need each other. Sure, we yes. definitely yes. still need each other. Yeah. We complement each other quite well. Yeah. And so I think that while there may be more women than ever before trying to get as much money out of men as they mm -hmm. can, there may be more men than ever before trying to get the youngest, most attractive woman they can find, sure. irrespective of other qualities. Yeah. I, I, I think that the vast majority, mm -hmm. I'm a single young guy, mm -hmm. I think the vast majority of women who are around my age Mm -hmm. are maybe not suitable partners for me, but suitable partners for somebody. They're okay. not, they're not undateable modern women, so to speak. Yeah. What, what do you got on the topic? On which part? That was a big, I guess all of it, right? All of it. Do you think that, do you think that there's still abundant opportunity or do you even think that the world is a worse place to find a relationship now than it was in the past? I think, to the latter question, yes, but I think that it's not hopeless okay. because each one of us, and this is going to sound annoyingly 
optimistic, but I really do believe it. That's fine. And it's going to be based on, um, you and I talked on the phone, we talked about this podcast beforehand. So, you know, again, me practicing from the Christian faith, I think everything you just described apart from the spirit of God is incredibly true. I think it's flesh based. I think it's a worldly mindset. I think if you don't have something bigger to implement a transformed way of thinking and valuing another human being and, and the value of relationships and sexuality, it's going to be easy to dehumanize people in sexuality, which is why porn, mm -hmm. um, you know, scripture says, as soon as we stop worshiping God and, and living in fear of God, we immediately go to sexual perversion. That's the first thing we go to because mm -hmm. sexuality is so powerful. So if we don't have the Holy Spirit and the spirit of self-control, the first thing that goes is sexual self-control. And then I start using and I start taking and demanding and grabbing and consuming. And I just start consuming and consuming because I just have this abyss inside of me that's insatiable. And I think mm -hmm. that's the human heart apart from being filled up with the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. And so then we start using each other and parasiting. And then and then now I'm in defense mode. Like, you, what do you want from me? You just want to take from me? And is homegirl a threat to me? Is she, are you looking at her instead of me? Well, then I, then now she's my competition. So I can't really get close with women and I can't really trust you. So now it's just kill or be killed. I'm in survival mode. And like you're saying, it's just kind of a really nasty, gross place. And now with the access that we have because of media and first world technology, da, 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 da. It's, uh, yeah, dating is probably the most toxic it's ever been. Mm -hmm. However, back to your point, I do think that the human heart majority of the time still wants male and female we still have core desires we want to be loved we want to be known we want to be accepted we want to be respected we want to um, feel affirmed um, we want to have passion and desire and we want to share that with another human being um, most of us crave intimacy which is basically being seen and known flaws and all and I also want to know you so we want to be pursued right. and we want to pursue and most of us don't want to do life alone you know, human growth and development theory, Erickson stages of development, the older we get, the more and more companionship becomes more important. Not building my career, not building my empire. Mm -hmm. Most people, once they get to their 60s and above, their whole thing is about companionship. And did I, am I leaving a legacy? Have I left a legacy? And that's not even with Jesus included. Um, so I'm just saying human growth and development, human psychology, we don't want to be alone. And ultimately I think both genders are hungry for the same thing in relationships. The thing right now, I feel like the, the problem right now is if we can get all that nonsense out of the way and the distractions, we could get back. And that's where I love my work because people eventually come in and they're like, I'm burnt out. Like this hookup culture stuff, like I'm burnt out. I'm empty. You know, guys, once a lot of the guys that I start working with, once they get into their 40s and their testosterone chills out a little bit and it's not just about getting orgasms, they're like, hey, I think I want to like have a partner. I'd like to have more meaningful sex. I'd like to have meaningful conversation. I want to do life with somebody. I don't want to just hook up at, after the bar scene and like, you know, go home and be alone. I might want a family. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Hey, yeah, it definitely does. Um, yeah. You're reminding me of him. Yeah. I mentioned Kevin Samuels earlier. I don't know okay. if you're familiar with I'm him not. or not. He was, he was one of the biggest relationship YouTube people. Okay. And I'll, I'll criticize him like I'll criticize anyone <laughs> okay. if, if I think he's off base in any uh -huh. way. I thought that he was one of the more positive people in the space. And okay. one question he would ask people consistently, he would call into his show, he would say, what do you want your life to look like when you're 60 years Love old? It. With the implication that you Amen. can't just hot girl summer your way through and expect that to lead to happiness. That's, that's, you can't. That's not how you God wired us. That's yeah. literally not how, yeah. And it's empty and the live for today. And that's like actually very hedonistic mm -hmm. and it's really unwise. And it leaves your bank account pretty empty that and too. your that household. Too. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And so you reminded me of um, 
you know, when you started mentioning the Bible, which is great, because remember, Big Conversations podcast is Christianity. <laughs> Don't sleep on me. <laughs> Love it. But there's, in, I think it's Genesis chapter 3, God talks about putting enmity between Adam and Eve's children and Satan. Okay. Not, not a yeah. word-for-word quote yeah. of the verse, but... Yeah. You talked about how apart from God, mm-hmm. it is a dog-eat-dog world. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. Not everybody claims to be a Christian. Yeah. Obviously, I'm sure not all your clients are Christian no, either. And you're not. still able to work with them. Yeah. Do you think that, that that enmity that the Bible speaks of is what makes so many people still suitable partners for romantic relationships in spite of living in this pornography and YouTube do you written. <laughs> Say ask that again. Do do you think it's the enmity enmity that God put within us that makes so many people still desire a real relationship and not a pornography reenactment? I think it's the fact that uh, we all bear the image of God. Okay. And the Latin word for that is the imo- the imago day imago day. Okay. I M A G O and then D E I. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we're pronouncing that. I can't um, do it either. Yeah, so we're good. But I think it's the fact that you bear the image of God. I bear the image of God. Our gender tells us about who mm-hmm. God is. I think that it's the fact that we're made in His image, and we will never be able to get away from that. Mm-hmm. That um, those are the things that create that raw desire for more. And he's, I believe, built in, because I've not always been a Christian. Like, I did life apart from Jesus, like, for a minute and have come and gone since. My personal experience has been it's always very empty. And I hit my brain and my spirit hit the despair button very quickly. Hmm. Now, at some people, it takes them longer. And some people may never get there. But I have people coming out of addiction, parties, hookups, whatever, you know, riches, fame, like all of the humans that I've ever worked with and, and, um, had the privilege of knowing none of that ever satisfies long-term, none of it. And I think it's a built-in fail safe in being made in his image that he's like, you can chase after everything this planet has to offer you, but it's going to come up, you're, it's going to be found wanting and you're going to be hungry for more because I've actually made you for a lot more. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know C.S. Lewis. I've heard the name. Loves C. So he wrote The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Okay. okay. I, I have read a book from him. I can't remember. What he's like one of the greatest. He's probably the most brilliant Christian thinker of the 19th or 20th century. So he uh-huh. uh, is from England. Clive's Staple Lewis. He was a devout atheist into his 50s. He did everything he could to literally disprove God's existence. And after finding that he couldn't, he became honestly one of the greatest advocates for christianity mm-hmm. he wrote mere christianity the screw tape letters all sorts of the screw tape letters. yeah that's what I yeah read. yeah so and he was really good friends with J.R.R. tolkien lord of the rings and the hobbit okay. and they used to sip ale together in england in the pub and talk about literature and theology um, but he wrote in one of his books in his essays about the glory of man he said um like an ignorant child making mud pies in the slum when he is invited to a holiday at the sea we are we fool about with things like drink vain conceit sex libations etc so basically everything that we're just talking about like a foolish child making mud pies in the slum we are far too easily pleased Hmm. so he talks about how humans Hmm. are so like caught up in all that stuff and he's like but there's so much more you're eating out of the dumpster and there's a feast prepared for you if you'll come find it and I do believe that is Christianity, and I do believe that plays into how we do life, love, relationships, sex, all of it. Mm. Um, That's good. Yeah. Wow. 
And yeah. so it, <laughs> I think it's quite obvious to you at this point, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to hit the repeat button okay. again because that's what I do around here. Yeah. I very strongly believe that the internet has been a force multiplier to uh -huh. a lot of the negativity that's going sure. on. You said earlier that you think that, and you mentioned pornography a few times, which mm -hmm. is mainly, mainly delivered to us by the internet. Yeah. Would you say that the internet has been a prime driver of why it's worse to date now than it's ever been before? Hmm. Or is it not that? Did I misunderstand you? That's sort of I what I picked probably, up, but then I would have just said that no, myself anyway. I think so. it's probably if, just on the spot. Yeah. And, and if it's not the internet, yeah. what are some of the other things? No, I think, I think it's probably in the top two or three okay. influencing factors. I think the consumer-based thinking that America is made of, the West. Okay. Um, I think consumerism, industrial revolution, and the internet and the access to all that nonsense. I probably I think the three are really the toxic. Terrible. The pterodactyl, but it's not pretentious. I don't think it's pretentious. I just think it's That's nonsense. True. So I think industrial revolution, when we're told all we're all we're worth is our production, our ability to produce, and all life is supposed to be about is production. It mm -hmm. keeps us from slowing down and bonding and connecting. Um, I think the internet, like we've talked about, and its influence, and then um, I forget what the, the first one I said was. I honestly forgot too. Yeah. So I guess if someone's yeah. listening to this, yeah. they can back up. Yeah, they, they can back to. up. Yeah, hey guys, hit, hit that 15 second back button. Hit it twice. So we'll move on a little bit. Okay. Obviously, one of the big topics, you know, consumerism. For That's right. Consumerism. Oh, there we go. Consumerism. Yeah. yeah. Now you can hit 30 seconds. <laughs> okay. <again>. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk more about relationships specifically and not not just the bad side but some good things and just advice that you can give too. So okay. what do you think most single people get wrong about relationships? Hmm. And this is a question I'm very much asking for myself. I hope it benefits the audience too, but I'm I'm genuinely curious to hear what you have to say about that. Well it's gonna be an annoying therapist response. I think it depends on the generation. Okay. I think it may depend on gender as well. Okay. And it may depend on the region that we live in. Okay. So let's start here. Yeah. Because I think the majority of the people who are going to listen to this episode mm -hmm. are going to be around college age. Okay. And they're going to, most of them are probably going to live in the United States. Okay. So for college age or a little bit older men mm -hmm. and the same for women, what do you think most single people get wrong about relationships? Can I be obnoxious and bounce that back just for a second and ask what do you feel like you observe as a college age That's a good gentleman? <laughs> like what do you know what do you see happening in the college culture as yes, first dating? But only if you answer after. I will. I will. So I think But I've been out of college for a minute, so that's fine. That's, that's fine. Yeah. I think that for young men, the issue is I'm gonna go back to the internet again. I, I think we're sold this narrative of you need to be a high value man. And women are only interested in guys who are six foot two blonde hair and blue eyes or oh, $250,000 a year. Or so like James Bond, something like James Bond. So, something okay. like that. Okay. And so I think guys get so focused on trying to be those things that one, not everybody can do that. You can't oh. make yourself grow. Yeah. And for two, not everybody's happy doing a job that's going to make that much money. So you might that's put right. yourself in a miserable circumstance. Yeah. And then I think branching off that, and I'm, I'm still jumping off the internet. It's good. It's I fun. hate the internet. You guys know that. But we're using the internet to share this. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so it's not all bad. Yes, it's yeah. not all bad. Listen, guys, delete all your social media, all your subscriptions, but 
keep Apple Podcasts because you need to hear me. Oh my gosh. But, um, I, I think we're also, young men are told that that women are only, and I, I guess I sort of said that, but since women are only interested in these shallow things that don't have anything to do with quote unquote his heart, right? Okay. That it's it's not important to be emotionally available or whatever. And you feel like guys are told that? I, I think so. Oh, interesting. And, and there's a side where guys are told, you know, that's what women want. But then guys also see, you know, the nice guy finishing last and things like that. Really? And they see the the rich guy who's a dick to all his female friends getting attention. And they're like, oh, really? I guess I need to act like that. So that's... And it, that that might sound crazy to you, but I think from from more of a feet on the ground as a guy yeah. that age, I think a lot of guys do think that. Okay. For females, that's that's a lot harder to say. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never been yeah. one. I guess in twenty twenty three, you can change that. Oh so Lord. Maybe I'll, I'll, yes. I'll come back if I ever find out. Okay. That's interesting. I, I'm not going to try to answer yeah. for girls. That's interesting to hear that um, because I'm in my thirties, and women i have a lot of really cool ladies in their 30s that are very successful lovely humans that would love a guy mm-hmm. who's emotionally available they're tired of dating men who are emotionally unavailable so to me that's like i th- that's why i think part of it's generational what people mm-hmm. are all, all about in their young 20s versus later in life um and after they've been around and they've tried the hey we have all the vanity but like we're not connected. Like we get a lot of likes or attention, but we're like empty and miserable and we're cheating and the attention is never enough. And Bob, I just, I just, um, I think it's generational. Um, uh, what was your original question? What, what do people, assume get, people wrong. get wrong about relationships? Hmm. Well, and that's a very broad, question, that is super so broad, wherever you want to take it. Is um, I'll just say what I think people are getting wrong in dating. How's that? Okay. Perfect. Cause that's easier from what I'm working with. Cause I'm, I'm working with people all over the spectrum as far as ages. Um, I think selfishness, narcissism, I think we're very narcissistic. Social media has absolutely exacerbated that. Mm-hmm. And people look, think that's okay. Yeah. Me, 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 me. Look at how hot I am. Look at how fabulous I am, you know, at golds or wherever. Yeah, sure. Um, when you go into the gym, people are so busy staring at themselves in the mirror, they don't even look up from their phone, their selfies, the the mirror to be like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, mm-hmm. right? Like, gym's a fantastic place to meet somebody who's like-minded. Like, you're into fitness, I'm into fitness. Definitely. But if I'm so into me, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm so great and hot, and look at how beautiful my butt looks at this angle. Like, I don't have time to look at you and be a human and connect. So I think the narcissistic, self-absorbed thing is where mm-hmm. people are really getting it wrong. Um, I think that's a great point because I agree. People do think it's okay to, they, they brag about being selfish. You know, they they brag about being proud of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So the very nature of that is non-relational, right? Hmm. And so I just did another podcast with Josh Porter who runs Optimize You, the hormone guy here in town. Um, and we talked about this and I said, so what if we, so let's play this out. If we have a whole bunch of, we have a whole generation of people who are physically, quote, hot and really, quote, sexy or whatever, um, but they're super vain. They don't know how to ask questions to get, a know, get to know another human mm-hmm. being. They don't care enough about other human beings to show up and be sacrificial or servant hearted. You're going to have a whole generation of narcissists. And you're not going to have family units because that's not relational. I actually don't mm-hmm. want to get married. I just need you to admire me and tell me and teach me and tell me what I'm worth. And that I'm so valuable just based on my achievements, my outward beauty, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'm moving on. That's a really sad, pitiful generation. And if we don't it have is. the structure of a healthy family and unit, and if we don't have healthy couples, you don't have a society. 
That's why mm-hmm. I love working with healthy marriage and family. Cause if couples aren't healthy, the whole culture falls apart. And that's what I'm worried about with like the vanity and the self-absorbed. It's all about me, mm-hmm. me, me. Cause Jesus or not humans do not like other selfish human beings. We don't, if we're driving down the road and somebody cuts me off in traffic because their driving agenda is more important than mine, I'm going to get pissed. You're going to get pissed. Right. And that has nothing to do with Jesus. It's just like, you're being a jerk or you're being an a-hole because being selfish is ugly. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. So when I'm selfish in dating, it's extra ugly. And when you're selfish mm-hmm. in dating, it's extra ugly because it's not relational. The nature of it is self versus you or you and me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, selfishness is almost like the opposite of love. Complete. I would say. Complete. Yeah. yeah. Another question I wanted yeah. to ask you. So, and I don't know that I know the most precise way to word this okay. question, but I'll, I'll bobble my way through it and hopefully <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll find some clarity. Okay. I, it has been my experience mm-hmm. and I'm, I can only talk to the, about the people that I've interacted with. So I'm going to make a generalization. I'm very comfortable doing that as the audience knows, but I find that older people in general, women in particular, Mm -hmm. seem to really minimize the importance of the the spark, the sexual attraction in a relationship. And they're quick to point out the importance of everything else, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. all all the other important factors. Mm When I think about it, mm-hmm. and I've never been married, so I don't right. speak from experience on this, but I think if if I have a wife, right, mm-hmm. one of the things she's going to be is a friend to me. Yeah. I'll have other friends. Yeah. Another thing she's going to be is a, a support system for mm-hmm. when I need mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have difficult conversations with my boss yeah. at work as well. Yeah. Another thing she might do is go to the gym and work out with me. Mm-hmm. I'll also work out with other people, right? Mm-hmm. One thing I'm not going to do with anyone else is have sex. Okay. Right? So I think that that is kind of really important and should be close to the top of the list. And that's not to say that other things become unimportant Mm -hmm. if that one aspect is there. Mm -hmm. But do you think older people, women in particular, Uh I love my generalizations, Uh do you think they minimize the importance more than they should? Well, I will first start with stats say and tell us that older generations are actually having more sex than millennials. Really? So like what? M- millennials is like what? What age? Um, so I'm at the top end of the millennials. So 1984 to whatever 12 to 15 years is prior to that. Okay. Are you Gen Z? You're not I, sure. I There's so know. many gens. I don't, I don't know. know. But so I'm at I'm, the top end. I'm a smart end. guy until I get asked specific questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, use the internet to find out. Um, okay. So my generation of guys, it, 8 out of 10 is regularly viewing pornography. Pornography okay. actually has a very emasculate, emasculating mm-hmm. effect on men. Yeah, and so, I would imagine mm-hmm. pornography usage is probably negatively correlated with so That's where I'm going correct? with that. Yep, okay. that's okay. where I'm going with that. So people are more obsessed with self-stimulation, fantasy, mm-hmm. video games, work. Um, you figure most of America is overweight. So obesity and being overweight is huge mm-hmm. for sexuality um, because sex is exercise and yeah. sex hormone production and adipose tissue or body fat actually work counter each other. Right. So if I'm overweight, I'm producing too much estrogen and not enough testosterone. Testosterone mm-hmm. is the main sex driving hormone for men and women. So most of America is overweight. We're very... Um, sedentary in our lifestyle so we're not getting a lot of good circulation and blood flow and cardiovascular exercise sex is a cardiovascular event um i have the internet to go to if my partner's not meeting my needs i have tv work I mean, we're just a very unhealthy nation mm-hmm. so sexually you can see that in the later generation or the 
the upcoming generations that's plummeting. That's fascinating. It is. But like the baby boomers, they're having a lot of sex or like the retirement communities in Florida, they're having a lot of sex. So so do you think that the average community of retirees in Florida on average, are getting down more, more than college kids. I, well, really? research tells us that. Interesting. Research tells us that. Interesting. Yep. Anyway, for my curiosity, well, yep. what are approximately those numbers? What's typical for? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The average married couple used to have the average married couple. Now people, there are more single people now than there have ever been. So less yeah. people are marrying or staying or staying married. Um, so the average married couple used to have sex once a week. Okay. And again, stats are changing drastically since the pandemic and COVID. Divorce rates have skyrocketed, domestic violence, addiction, etc. So people are divorcing a lot more um, mm. hurriedly. And than pornography before. usage has to be up yeah. just because of access. So it's yeah. probably lower than that now. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So back and and that that's a good tangent. Yeah. I'm not yeah. I'm not upset that we went there at yeah. all, but specifically to the question, do you think older people improperly minimize the importance? of that sexual I think, attraction when they're giving advice to younger people. I think it's depend no, I no? think it depends okay. on the couple or the individual because okay. I know some women so research has also said that people actually don't start having their best sex until they're in their 50s. Which is awesome because that's, for also late, interesting. that's amazing because I by then really people are figuring out what they like. They don't care as much about what people think so they mm-hmm. they feel more comfortable being assertive asking for what they want or they don't want. Um, women are usually post childbearing, so they don't have to worry about getting pregnant and they're not mm-hmm. on birth control anymore. Birth control is a killer for libido and yeah. mental health in general. Um, so there are all these different dynamics that for women in their fifties, if they're using like hormone replacement therapy and they're generally physically healthy, a lot of them feel a lot more free to be like, finally, I can just enjoy it, mm-hmm. um, without any burdens. And guys by then have usually figured out a little bit more about what they're, what they like, what they don't like. Sex usually has more meaning again because of that relational piece when the testosterone chills out and it's not all, not all about breeding or getting off. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it depends on the individual and the couple because I know some, you know, some of my mentors in the field, they're in their 80s still having sex, and she has this whole cool, fun concoction that she has for her hormone health and vaginal tissue because sex is important to her and her husband, and she wants her body to be available and her mind to be available as well to keep their healthy, thriving love life going. Okay. And she's a huge advocate for healthy sexuality. She's one of the leading Christian sex therapists in the country. Um, they're pioneers. So I think it just depends on the couple and the individual. Okay. Yeah. So leading off that, let yeah. me ask you now then, yeah. do you think that that healthy dynamic of sexual chemistry mm-hmm. is something that can be developed between mm-hmm. pretty much any two people? Or is it something that you have to look for that what's there and build off that? That is a good question. That, so chemistry? You talking yeah. about chemistry? Uh, I'm probably going to use the wrong word, so I, I don't want to get nailed down to a you're, specific okay. word and then use it wrong. But I think that's what I mean. So you're asking, can any two people create chemistry sexually? Yes, that's what I'm asking. I don't think so. Hmm. I, the idealist in me and a hopeful sex therapist, yes, um, but I don't think so. I think some people naturally aren't just going to have chemistry. And like some of us naturally have more chemistry than others with other human beings. Mm-hmm. Like you and I may have great chemistry or terrible chemistry. And then the next male or female, you know, the next woman you're trying to bond with or the next man I'm trying to bond with, like that goes back to even like pheromones. Yeah. So there's huge controversy in the field of sexology. Are pheromones real? 
Yes, I personally believe yes. The thing is, um, so many generations of women have been on birth control, so it actually, birth control masks how a man tastes to a woman. So, you know, when you kiss someone, when you kiss someone, there's like, there can be sparks or chemistry, or you're like, hmm, that didn't really do anything for me, right? So right. Like, kissing is a pretty cool, potent way for us to figure out like, whoa, am I compatible with you? And there, there's actually a protein marker in the saliva of a male and female mm -hmm. that according to that chemistry or sense of how you taste to me, that tells me, would we be good reproductively together? Would we be compatible wow. genetically That's for good It is, it is. And birth control masks that. So a lot of women, they'll get married, they'll start birth control, and then when they're ready to have babies, they come off birth control and they'll come in and go, I just don't like how he tastes to me anymore. He just, he just doesn't taste good because they were on mm -hmm. birth control when they started. And then now that they're off of it, they're going, I just, we just don't really have a lot of like, chemical chemistry and that you can't make up. I mean, if you've ever wow. had chemical chemistry with a human, you like know it and you can be with somebody that you really love and care about, but like that there's a certain physical scent chemistry. It's kind of like when you put on um, cologne or perfume, like you and a buddy could both spray on the same cologne and it's going to smell significantly different according to your body chemistry. Same thing with women and perfume. Like I'll smell perfume on a woman. I'll be like, what are you wearing? That's amazing. And then I'll go and buy it and I'll end up smelling like a pickle. <laughs> I'm like, dang it. That doesn't <laughs> smell good. It's true. And okay. that's because we all have physiology and chemical components to our makeup that determine who I am compatible with and not compatible wow. with. Yeah. That, that's so fast. Isn't that cool? So what what advice would you give to me and I guess any other young person who's trying to responsibly make a good decision of who, who they marry, oh, considering that yeah. one part, right? Um, wow, that's a big question. Because I, I guess the, the yeah. very simple, obvious thing would be kiss them and see what it's like. Ah, right? and I, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> Disney that, movie, right? kiss. But, Yes. And if it's as simple as that, that's fine. It's, but it's, again, my goal with this podcast mm -hmm. is I, th these are questions mm -hmm. that have been on my mind that I think are on a lot of people's minds that, that yeah. most people are never going to ask this question, yeah. especially never of anyone who might be able to give a good answer. Well, here's the, so we're going to do it here. Okay. So that's cool. The other thing is I can have chemistry with somebody who's completely toxic for me. So that's mm -hmm. where my experience with um, traumatology and the study of trauma, some of the most intense chemistry I've ever had with a human has also been based, it's been uh, uh, hoodwinked by trauma bonds. And so mm -hmm. if you and I have the same soul wounds, if you and I both have father wounds or mother wounds, or we have certain wounds that like, oh yeah, I have that same scar. We will bond very intensely and almost spiritually over that, and it will be we will become almost addicted to each other. So in my work, a lot of people that are addicted to each other often are bonded through trauma, and your trauma and my trauma come together like a puzzle piece. And now I'm reenacting my trauma, and you're doing the same, and we're so addicted to each other. It's toxic. We're hurting mm -hmm. each other, but I can't let you go. So we can have amazing chemistry. It's not just physiology; it's also spiritual and trauma based. Okay. And it's but, not always negative, but wow. as far as things that we have to keep in mind is I can have really f fireworks, like mind-blowing chemistry with somebody that's not healthy for me. But, but what's crazy to me yeah. when I'm thinking about that yeah. is the fact that the way you worded it is we can have wounds that are like puzzle pieces that fit to each other. Yeah. But 
it's still hurting us even though we're connecting in that way that's wow yeah wow that's real and that's when that's when you get into like borderline personality disorder or disorganized attachment is what it's called in our field Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can have borderline relationships where it's like i hate you i love you i'm calling the cops on you let's have hot amazing sex that's real. I mean, people get caught yeah, in that addiction is, cycle and then it's just trauma bonding, trauma bonding, tra- addiction cycle. And my chemicals in my brain have me so confused. I don't yeah. know which way is up. Um, and that's I've, often why people, I've known people. Yes. That yeah. Like, and that's I've, often why I've, I've seen, yeah. I've known guys spending yep. time with a girl and I'm like, yep. she tried to put you in jail. Yes. Like, why are you here? Addicted to each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> so let, let's. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure I answered your question. No, you definitely answered the okay. question. It, okay. it wasn't. It, it was a multifaceted, a nuanced answer, yeah. but it's, that was excellent. Okay. Got to do this. Got to ask this question. <laughs> okay. I, I said in a previous episode, I don't know if you guys remember, I said that I would argue with a professional, if need be, about the topic, can guys and girls be friends? But as oh. always, okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Can guys and girls be just friends, Chris? I think they can. Okay. Why? So I grew up as a tomboy. Okay. Um, I played baseball with boys through junior high. I went to a mostly male undergraduate university. Um, I have some incredible men of God that are married, and they are good friends. We led mission trips together. They, we still call and keep in touch. They call me with their wives, or they mm-hmm. Marco Polo me with their wives. Um, I think you can, but I think it takes a lot of intentionality and boundary conversation. Usually in the beginning, it's it would be common for one or the other to have further intentions. And so that's where you just talk honestly about, hey, I think you're cool. It seems like you think I'm cool. What do you have in mind for this situation? Um, I'm thinking just friends. Are you down with that? And then if you guys are on the same page, usually it's pretty legit. Okay. Uh, but it's when one person comes in with a different intention in mind and they're not forthright about that, that things can get messy and sticky. Most of my guy friends would say they can't be friends with a female um, because usually they have the intention of wanting to date her, take things further. Uh, but again, my, I've had a beautiful, probably unique experience in going to a mostly male engineer in, in aviation school down in East Texas. Okay. And I have some awesome du- guy friends that like, they're like brothers to me. That's interesting. Yeah. So. What and- do you think? <laughs> You can't just hell tell no. me, hell no. Hell no. Why do you say no. hell no? But before, and I, I, I will happily explain, but let yeah. me first just ask a much more pointed, and I think this is a yes or no question. Okay. If it's not, you can you can answer it differently. Okay. Do you think men and women can be just best friends? I think if married, no. I think your partner should be your best friend. Okay, that's a, that's a good answer. I like yeah. it. Now, here's how, and I, I've explained this a bunch of times, so I hope I'm good at it by now. Okay. This this is how I see it. Okay. If, let, let's take you and me just as sure. an easy example. Let's say I am attracted to you. Okay. And I want to be more than just friends with you. Yep. And you just think I'm an interesting guy sure. who would be a good friend, right? Yeah. For me to really be vulnerable and open with you, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to tell you that yeah. there's something here more yeah. than just I think you're smart yeah. and I appreciate your professional expertise. Yeah. If I tell you that and you don't reciprocate that, yeah. that is inherently going to create some distance between us. That's sure. going to drive somewhat of a wedge. That's that's sure. going to reduce the level of comfortability that we... Is that the word comfortability? Yeah. yeah. Comfort. Yeah. It's going to reduce the level of comfort that we have with each other. Yeah. And so... Based on that, I would say, 
Probably not. And also, oh. one other thing. Yeah. I forgot that I used the same stat over and over because I heard it on Jordan Peterson's podcast. Love he Jordan brought a guy Peterson. named yes. um, Rob Henderson on. Okay. And Rob Henderson yeah. said that on Tinder, men swipe right on women 60% of the time. Women swipe right on men 4% of the time. So there's literally... Swipe right. Okay, help me. On Tinder, so, so swiping swipe right, right, what does that mean? I, am I saying that? I think I'm saying that right. Because they're all different. Women approve of and are willing to match with... Guys. Very few guys. Oh, Men are willing to match with the majority of women. Huh. So I think... And, and the example you gave, you know, you, you suggested that a lot of times the guy would mm-hmm. say no. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's accurate. I, I think most women don't have a problem being friends with most men. Yep. Because most women find most men unattractive. But when huh. it comes to close relationships, being best friends, yeah. I don't think that's possible because I think that almost all the time the guy Somebody. is going to... If, if he's interested in even spending that much time with the woman, it's because huh. he's attracted to her. Okay. And if she's not attracted to him, they, they can they can be high and by friends. They can be acquaintances. They yeah. can be work buddies. They can be pals. I don't think they can be yeah. best friends. Interesting. Do you agree or disagree with that? Well. And don't don't feel like you have to no, agree I'm just with me that, just because you're here. You can, oh, yeah. No. You can rip me a new one. That's I mean, fine. I, I don't want to <laughs> do that to anybody most of the time. Um, I think it's interesting that most men say that, and I think there's a different mentality for men mm-hmm. around relationships with the opposite sex yeah. than there are females. And to briefly interrupt, you are right. I think most women say, yeah, of course, and most men say no, probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I think I, at some level it kind of depends on the guy. Like I know some men that they grew up with sisters and with single moms, and so they're just used to and comfortable with, to, with uh, bonding with women. And they have a lot of female friends and they're not attracted to them. They just have female friends because they grew up bonding with females. So I think it kind of depends on the dude. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and I think the Jordan Peterson it, thing is mm-hmm. interesting. However, I also think there's a certain psychology that people approach Tinder with, which is typically hookup. That's true. Right? So Tinder is known for hookup culture. Mm-hmm. So how I approach this app is what am I looking for? And a woman's going, mm, what I want to oh, let that guy in my body, what I want him in my body. But I want him in my body because for a woman to have sex, she's going to pay a higher price every time than a dude is. So a dude's like, yep, I'd do that. Yep, I'd hit that. Yep, Mm -hmm. I'd tap that. That sounds gross, but that's how dudes talk. It's disgusting. Um, Nasty. So guys are like, yep, yep, yep. So I think Tinder, I'm not sure that's like a Mm -hmm. healthy research. That's a fair point. Right? You know what I mean? Like it'd be different if we went all across the different Mm -hmm. dating apps like Bumble or, you know, eHarmony, whatever. Yeah. So I'm just so, going to argue that one. Sounds good. Yeah, Tinder, there's a different mindset there. Um, I don't know. I think it depends on the guy. But, I think most men I've talked to said, yeah, if I'm going to be friends with a lady or a woman, I'm probably going to be interested. Mm-hmm. You know? But then I've been on the other side where I, guys have been like, because I can play the buddy role very well. I grew up playing the buddy as the mm-hmm. tomboy um, that most guys are like, hey, KK, hey, KK. Like I was just the bro. Mm-hmm. And so I've been the one that's like, oh, I would like something more. And they're like, I've never thought of you that way. Sorry. So yeah, my experience has been guys can be just friends with a female. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, 
And one other thing I want to ask you, and this yes. is not to necessarily make this a Carissa versus Jordan Peterson thing, but, <laughs> and I don't know if this stat mm-hmm. came from Tinder or dating apps okay. or not, but I remember Jordan Peterson multiple times has said that women find 80% of men below average attractive. Huh. Not average or below below average. And you, you talk to a lot of women. You talk to them about their sex lives. Do. Do you tend to think that's true? Well, when I, you know, as could be said about all of the research we've talked about in this podcast, I wasn't polled. Nobody asked me, have you been polled? Right. No. So when we're saying all women, it's like, well, who is the, who's the demographic they yeah, polled? Good point. Good and like, point. that's what my methods of research class taught me is like, when we hear stats and research, there's a whole iceberg of uh, analysis. We as the, as the listener or the reader need mm. to consider like, was I pulled? Nobody asked me about this. Like, am I considered part of this group think women think? Cause nobody asked me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's a good point. So I'm not sure I can speak to that because okay. to me, it feels like a very uh, myopic audience. Like I wasn't part of the polling. Mm. Um, and I haven't talked with other women about that in general. Fair, fair. Yeah. I think that there definitely will be a lot of people who will have a problem with, you know, these stats being thrown out and knowing yeah. that they weren't considered. And, you know, speaking of having a problem, yeah. you know, we end every single Big Conversations <laughs> okay. episode okay. saying, do you have a problem? That's our question. So, okay. Carissa, yes. my question for you is, do you have a problem with the dating advice? Lower your standards. Absolutely. I have a problem with that. That's garbage. Talk to me. Talk to me. Um, I think... Well, and so for me, this is going to go back to now that I align with and adhere to the prince about the principles of Christianity and the kingdom, the kingdom mindset. My understanding is that kingdom is a kingdom of honor. I think honor is exactly what's missing in the West. We don't honor our elderly. We don't honor sexuality. We don't honor ourselves. Definitely. We don't honor youth. We don't honor elders. We don't honor those in power. Like we do not honor humans here. And that's where it goes back to the consumerism and the dehumanization Mm -hmm. mindset of what can I take from you? What can you offer me? And as soon as you don't meet my needs anymore, I can throw you away and go to the next one. That's very inhumane. And actually Dr. Peterson would call that sociopathological. That's what sociopaths do. I have zero human attachment or need for you or emotional connection. What can you do for me? And once I'm done using you, I'm going to move on. It's really unhealthy. Um, and so I think to start with, the yes, it, I have a huge problem with lower your standards. The fact is we all need much higher standards. And I think if everyone chose to raise their standards, we would have experienced a lot more relationship satisfaction and community and trust and bonding and um, satisfying overall quality of life in general. But the fact is we have such low standards, mm-hmm. if standards at all, that's why relationships are suffering and people are unhappy. That's interesting. So a follow-up question to that. What do you think the standards are that people have so low that are contributing to failed relationships right now? Which ones do they need to raise? Sex. I think people give it up too fast. I tell women. What do you mean by that? Women need to hold on to, women need to not have sex. That is how women keep standards high. Okay. Um, The unfortunate piece is most men and guys have told me this. If I can sleep with a girl real fast, like I get what I need and want, but I don't necessarily respect her. Men are designed to work for things. And when men have to work for something, they respect it. When I respect it, I value it. If I value it, I treat it better and differently. If you tell mm-hmm. me that I don't have to work for you and, I don't, and you're not worthy of respect and you'll give it up, or you're the one with your body on display for the internet to objectify, then I'm going to look at you as an object. 
And so I think it's a both and thing. I think women mm. need to carry ourselves differently. I'm, I'm, I just, I'm real passionate about that. And I think most women, unfortunately, have given into, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, and so, cause I, for me, like celibacy, modesty has been a, a very important thing for me for a very long time. Um, and I remember dating in my twenties in Atlanta when I was in grad school and guys were like, expect me to give it up. And I was like, no, I'm not sleeping with you. Well, you know, there are 10 others behind you that I can sleep with. And I'd say, toodles, go get them. Have fun with that. Yeah. If that's all you're about, you're not my dude anyway. So I think if more women like held their um, held themselves as treasure mm -hmm. and said, "No, bro, you need to work for me," I think men would respond to that, and I think men need to hold men accountable to stop seeing women as that. I love when men are like, "Yo, bro, like she's a woman, she's a human, mm -hmm. she has a heart and a soul, not just TNA or whatever." Like she's oh, worth so much. Sure. So I think dudes need to rise up and call other men out. Um, you know, because because the problem with that is if men look at women as lesser than and just uh, piecemeals, things to objectify. You know, I work a lot with guys in sexuality and pornography and sex addiction, etc. And there's a certain mindset when guys are in that mindset where they just start looking at body parts. And we as women don't realize that because we don't typically, I mean, female sexuality is not typically a, yeah. as objectifying. Or to a lesser degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And depends, again, culturally, youth, hormones, etc. But I think honor honor is bringing back a human as a three-dimensional mm. being. You have a soul. You have a spirit. You have a mind. You have a story. You have wounds. You have hopes and dreams. You have potential. You have a calling. You have talents and gifts. You have a purpose. And so do I. Which is like, whoa, that's pretty badass. You're pretty badass. I'm pretty badass. Versus like, hey, um, how big are your legs? Hey, what are you like in bed? Hey, what's your bank account going to offer me? Can you buy me my new Gucci or my new Louis Vuitton or my red bottoms? Right? Like if I start going, what can you do for me versus I'm seeing you and all that you offer, like I'm going to want to treat you differently and vice versa. And we're going to treat each other better and with more respect. Yeah. Does that make sense? It definitely does. And yeah. I, I like what you said about, you know, holding men, holding other men accountable. Yes. That's, and I'll try not to speak too much to women. Yeah. I'm well, not in a, in a position to give advice yeah. to women about yeah. what it feels like to be a woman and yeah. all that because I'm not one, right? Right. But when it comes to men, I'm I'm huge on that accountability. Yeah. The one thing that I've told other people and I try to use for myself, which I think has been very beneficial for me, yeah. is to think of everyone as someone's daughter or yeah. what if that was my daughter yeah. and is, you know. I just being transparent, you know, I yep. can look at a woman and think, yep. feel some type of way about her body and get sure. additional thoughts sure. about additional sure. extracurricular activities. But sure. then it's like, what if that was my daughter? Yeah. What would I want other men to do when they were looking at her? Right. And then I try to just do that. Totally. Yeah. Back to the, the question. Do you yeah. have a problem though? I asked you what standards you thought should be brought up because yeah. I think when people give that advice, mm -hmm lower your standards, raise your standards, whatever. I think they're usually talking about superficial things. Okay. I think they're usually talking about how good looking is oh, she. Okay. How what is his social standing in right. the community in, right. in terms of like how much money does he make? Right. Is he a lawyer or whatever? Is is he six foot two? You yeah. know what I mean? Is does she look like she goes to the gym? Things like that. Mm -hmm. And so perhaps I've just been around the most toxic people in the world and my perspective okay. is skewed. But when I hear lower your standards, I hear get realistic and find someone who suits you, okay. not someone who looks like they should be on the cover of sports illustrated. Sure. Particularly the body issue or whatever. Okay. So that's, 
So I would say I don't have a problem with that advice, lower your standards. But now, now that I've explained kind of why I see it that way, yeah. is is there any more you would respond to that? Do you think that usually that advice is given with regards to morals and character and things that are important? Because when I've heard it, like I said, it's, it's more about the it's vanity. Superficial. Well, I wish you would have started with that. That would have helped. So you <laughs> don't have a problem with somebody saying, Ben, lower your standards because in your mind it's connected to vanity? Yes, because in my mind, mm-hmm. when I hear people talk about relationships, yeah. everyone seems to consider it a non-negotiable mm-hmm. Marry someone who won't cheat on you. Marry someone who doesn't compulsively gamble. (laughs) Marry someone who won't physically abuse your kids. Marry someone who won't punch you. Marry someone who, I don't know, isn't addicted to drugs, works a full-time job, things like that. I I think the standards that that would need to be lowered in most people's minds would be she has to be an 8 on the 1 to 10 scale. Okay. Maybe that's my youthful and immature perspective. Maybe. That might be cultural. I'll tell you, the scale, if I hadn't talked so much about Jesus, I'd drop the F-bomb right here. Because I think the scale is effing toxic and dehumanizing. Yes, it's so insulting. Do you want to be called a five? (laughs) It's so funny you say that. Do you want somebody to be like, oh, Ben, you're a three. Sorry, bro. It wouldn't feel good, but I I look at it as, as... and height could be connected to this, but I look at it as height. Like if, if you're five foot three, you're five foot three, you're not a worthless human being, but you're five foot three. Right. So again, it goes back to objectifying mm-hmm. and a very worldly mindset. And like, I mean, you're going to step all over. Like this is a huge uh, soapbox for me because I'm the female in the room. And yeah. so beauty is intensely personal to yeah. me. No, well, let's go there. This is important. And so, so for some men, they might look at me and be like, love the look, love it. And other men be like, not my jam not my jam like not so attraction physical attraction is also subjective so your version of quote a 10 which is total bullshit excuse me like just get rid of the scale because no Mm. this is something i was thinking about recently there is not a human on this planet across cultures that wants to be called ugly it doesn't matter if you're in new guinea doesn't matter if you're in iraq it doesn't matter if you're in the united states if you're in south africa Mm. if you're in madagascar there's not a human being on this planet that wants to be considered ugly. Every human being wants to be thought of as physically appealing. Every human being. That mm-hmm. is a core desire of being alive as a human, male or female. We want to be found physically attractive. So we're so cruel to each other to start numbering and rating and putting on a scale. It's dehumanizing. It's arrogant. Excuse me, who are you to be the judge, jury, and executioner of my worth and my beauty? Who makes you the ultimate standard bearer of what is a 10? That's mm. so arrogant and grandiose. Mm. Like when guys used to say to me, I played college basketball, guys used to be like, I'd do you. And I'd be like, I wouldn't touch you. And the fact that you're arrogant enough to assume that I would let you in my body because you find me worthy of having sex with is disgusting. You're an arrogant jerk. Mm-hmm. It's arrogant. Yeah, and to take I wouldn't a, want someone to say that. To it's disgusting. Dog. It's yeah. so arrogant to be like, I have the power to denote your worth and to communicate your value, and I'm mm-hmm. going to give you a rating. I didn't ask you to be the judge. You're not even on the panel, bro. Step back. <laughs> I'm serious. That's yeah, yeah, total okay. horseshit. So one, it's so arrogant. It's so arrogant, and it's sexist as heck, and it's disgusting when we do it to each other as genders. There's not a human on the planet that wants to be considered ugly. Mm-hmm. Attraction is subjective. 
what you're attracted to is going to be different than your best friend and his best friend and da 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 da. Mm. Right? Same thing with me as a woman. What I find attractive is going to be different than the, the woman I'm sitting next to. She might find this really attractive. I think this is really sexy. So attraction is subjective. So the lowered your standards thing, you know, I think that's also contextual. I had one guy I was friends with in college and he wouldn't, he grew up in Texas and so he had a certain archetype that was his thing. And so he kept pursuing that like over and over again because that's what his brain was primed to, da 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 da, generationally and culturally. Um, and it finally bit him in the butt because he kept finding that archetype, but they all had emotional issues or trauma issues and they were really unhealthy relationally. He was so focused mm -hmm. on the archetype and the physical attributes that he negated the emotional health. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And one thing I'm thinking about as I'm yeah. listening to this, uh, two things, I guess, yeah. hopefully I, I keep all my thoughts straight as I'm trying yeah, to you're doing <laughs> you know, good. respond here. Yeah. This makes me think back to my previous comments about the internet. Okay. Because I think loosely everyone is always going to look out into the world and say, I think she's more attractive than her. I okay. think she's less attractive, right? Okay. And women are going to do the same thing. Sure. Right? That's fine. If yeah. You Humans do it to each head, other. That's... Humans do it to each other. Exactly. Yes. I do think that social media has probably taught us mm -hmm. to look and say, mm -hmm. but th does he think that she's attractive? And you if think? he doesn't think she's attractive, then does mm. he think I'm lesser for thinking she's attractive? And do mm. I need to find a woman that other men will find attractive so I can get more approval? Oh, interesting. I, I don't know if that happens as much the other way around for women, but mm. when it... Cause you, you you reacted strongly yeah. to the to the rating scale, right? Yeah. And it's I, I what you said makes sense, or yeah. why you think it's bullshit. Yeah, I think that it has probably reached more prominence because guys are trying to mm -hmm. they're looking for validation yeah. from other guys. Yeah. And it's that's ego. important based on yeah. a woman looking like other guys would think that she's attractive. So that gets into the notion of, notion of the trophy. Yes. Which is yes, exactly. toxic thinking because yeah, it's not love. I will tell you as a woman, I can offer a shit ton more than being arm candy. Mm -hmm. So when men come at me and say, man, you'd be great arm candy. I won't even reply. Like move on child, move on. I'm not part of your trophy case. That's disgusting. Yeah. And so for a man to have that kind of thinking is super immature. It's super underdeveloped. It's super egocentric. It's just really gross. And he's not been raised right. And there's something missing. So I'll tell you as a female, to hear that kind of feedback, it's viscerally insulting. Hmm. I'm like, it's so gross. Like to be called, hey, you would make a great trophy. Like some women love that. And I personally that's, th believe that's because they don't know who they are and what they yeah. were made to be. They, they find their value in how much sexual attention a man will give them. That's gonna get real empty really fast because mm -hmm. the heart of female sexuality is I want you to want me and love me, not just for my parts, Mm -hmm. but for my whole person. Yeah, and again, I can't speak to yeah. being a woman, but I yeah. can say I would not want my daughter to, uh, no. to, I wouldn't want her to tally her yeah. own value based on how many guys come by. I doubt that. Gross. Not what I want at all. That's, no. yeah. that was really good. Now this is yeah. certainly with, with all the, do you have a problem questions that it's, yeah. it's meant as more of an entertainment side of the episode. Well, I hope that was entertaining. No, no, it's, <laughs> I found I it a thing. I'll, I'll say this though. Most of the time, especially if I have, you know, kind of the the hunch that I'm going to take the opposite side as yeah. the guest that I have on, yeah. I'm ready to kind of, you know, banter on that a yeah. little bit. But you the the way you responded to this put some thoughts in my head. Now I'm gonna have to go back and think about that more and maybe yeah. maybe retool some of my thoughts, honestly. Because I had heard 
just in general, I had observed that girls don't seem to be so hot on the idea of, oh, I rate her a seven, I rate her a six. Disgusting. Or right? Yeah, I hadn't it's gross. had, I had never had a woman articulate to me as, mm-hmm. as well as you just did yeah. why it feels that way and why yeah. it is the way it is. So that's, that, that's something I'll have to go back and think about. Cool. I am, um, I will laugh in the face of a dude who talks to me that way. I will straight cackle in his face and mm-hmm. just say, you're so arrogant and immature. Like, you're so arrogant and immature. The fact that you think, one, that you have that much power over me to tell me what I'm worth, and just the fact the fact that a man thinks he can take a scale and apply it to a woman and tell her what she's worth is the heart of sexism and misogyny and chauvinism. Hmm. He's already saying, I'm above you because I'm a male. Just the fact that I'm a man or a boy okay. or a male makes me elite over you. And now I get to rate you and what you're actually worth based on your appearance. Like... <laughs> There's, gotcha. It's just like shallow, beyond shallow, and so mature. Yeah, I just laugh now when I hear guys wow. talk that way. It's just so, so yeah. one more question yeah. on this topic before yeah. we close. Because I know women rate men too. Yeah, they do. You're right. It, yep. Is there... I think it's gross. Is, is there a different side to it when it comes to no. women rating men? Nope. And I think what it's would gross. Be, because you've talked about the difference between female mm-hmm. sexuality and male sexuality. Mm-hmm. Male sexuality being more more visual. And less, I didn't say that, actually. You didn't say that? I didn't say oh, that. I thought you said that. No. Nope. Because you talked something about women or men being more likely to reduce a woman to her body parts and looking at looking. Yes. That, that's what yes. I thought I understood. Yep. Yep. But I, I guess that aside, the question is, is there an equivalent to men saying her her beauty is valuable do do women look at men and and rate them based on their looks more so or would it be finances or something different that isn't an articulate way to word the question but i'm i'm thinking of this in real time okay i'm talking um if i'm understanding you correctly are you saying that women have do women have ever have the same mindset in as it applies to men as far as rating them or or putting them on a scale I, mean, I think the answer is yes to some degree because women do it. I've, I've heard them say that they do. Mm-hmm. My question is more, you were saying that it is misogyny and sexism yeah. inherently for yeah. men to rate women based on their physical yeah. appearance. Yes. Is, what is it for women to rate men? Is, is that also probably, sexism? Or I think is that it would also concept? be sexist. I think okay. it's objectifying. I think it's dehumanizing. It's, again, dishonor. I'm taking you. You don't have worth to me. A part two, your parts and your aesthetic. Okay. And I think it's broken both ways. I think it is sexism reversed. Um, it's discriminatory if we want to use that language. And it's not honoring you as a man. I have a nephew. I have two nephews. One of them has um, a disability. And I value him and protect him so much. If I ever, I mean, ever listen to a group of women deduce him down to a number, I would. I'd lose, I'd lose my, I'd lose my salvation. Like I can't even talk in a godly way on this podcast because <laughs> I love him and see him for who he is and who God's made him to be as a little precious young man. And if I ever heard a group of women look at him and giggle and be like, Oh, he's just a this because of his handicap. I'd lose my effing mind. I'd be like mama grizzly bear. You would, you'd be like, Krista, mm-hmm. that's really it. And I wouldn't give a, like it's on. It's just so inhumane. It's inhumane. Yeah. It's and you inhumane. Can say whatever you want, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. you should have said that in the beginning because I would. I um, but it's just life. inhumane, and and we do it to each other. You know, like mm-hmm. the magic mic and the striptease and the da da da. Like, quit making a human being an object. Hmm. 
that's the big problem. Like I said, as far as a culture of honor, I don't look at each of you as an object or something to be used or deduced down to something. That's our problem in our culture is, and humans, we make each other objects rather than a human being with a soul and a spirit and a personhood and everything else I mentioned earlier. And when I make you just an object, you know, this is gonna sound dramatic, but that's literally what happened with Nazi Germany. We dehumanized the Jewish race to a point where they had zero value and they were disposable. And when I take it, dehumanization and objectification taken to the extreme makes you disposable. Hmm. And I don't know how you feel about feeling disposable, but that hurts me at my core. And any other good man yeah, I've no ever worked with, no like one. That. So quit making humans disposable. Wow. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So basically, yeah. basically what that means is if, if you look at a girl and you rate her one to 10, you're, you're basically Hitler. That's, that's kind of what we've learned today. Ben, <laughs> do not do that. That's no not way. what I said. People know I make jokes. Oh my gosh. Chris, this has been really good. I'm, I'm definitely glad I got Thank to bring you, you on it. I think that sometime in the future, if you're open to it, yeah. we'll, we'll get some different angles some different sure. questions. I'd love sure. to have you back on a different time. Thank you. While we're here, though, before we close out yeah. the show today, is there anything else that you feel that's on your heart you want to communicate to the audience before we go? No, I just really appreciate the honor that it is to be part of your podcast. And I hope some of this feels helpful for how people rethink relationships and dating and how they see themselves, mm -hmm. uh, identity, worth, etc. Because I think that's where it starts is like a healthy identity and sense of self then gets projected onto you and everyone around me. And the more I understand what I'm worth and where my value comes from in healthy places versus the vanity and the aesthetics, the more that will tr be transposed onto the people around me and it will set me up for healthier relationships that um, consist of honor and respect, shared power, mutual love, etc. which is what I think most people ultimately want and need for successful relationships. There we go, yeah. perfect. Uh, and again, thank you to you so much, Krista, for coming on because I've, I, I think I've had a lot of smart people come on the show already. You know, <laughs> what I haven't had is someone credentialed. And we, we've touched on the topic of yep. relationships a lot. Yeah. But I always, I specifically said in the previous episode, I don't give advice because I don't yeah. want to put myself in that YouTube degree equals yeah. PhD kind of space. That's cool. But to bring someone with a bit more expertise is um, I, I'm honored that you were Aww. willing to come. Well, thank so, you. So, Big Conversations family, this was Chris K. It's been a great episode. And as always, don't do anything I wouldn't do.